Today's Issues continues on AFR. Welcome back to the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland sitting in on today's issues. Honored to be with Ray Pritchard and Chris Woodward. And uh, guys, hey, let me say before we go back to news and stories, it really is a privilege to be doing the program with you today, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Well, Alex, fun to be with you. And, uh, you know, Tim and the, Tim and Ed and Fred, they're gone. And by the way, Chris Woodward is gone, but... Steve Jordahl has taken his place. Yeah. Steve, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm Steve Jordahl, a longtime friend and colleague. Hello. Is it, can you yes. hear me now? Can, we, yes. we can hear you now. Okay, yes. Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you, this, you know, this, Steve and I, we, we go back, journalist Steve Jordahl, uh, I remember when I was working at Focus on the Family, you and I go pretty far back we to the days working with Dr. James Dobson, don't we, we? Yeah, we do. In fact, I was listening to, to Doc this morning. He had some great uh, stuff with uh, Mark Levin. Uh, I think you'll be hearing some of that on our newscast. I'm going to go back and grab some of that stuff because it was really good. Hey, uh, guys, in the interest of time, I want to bring a guest on in just a moment. Now, cue this up, and uh, Ray, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it fair to say over the last uh, literally 50 years of Christianity and American evangelicalism, I mean, if, if I were to name the top, say, eight or ten most influential Christian leaders of the, the last 50 years as, as a, an author, as a scholar, as a speaker, as a cultural figure, I mean, we could mention Dr. Dobson, we could mention Billy Graham, but certainly— one of those names of the most influential Christian leaders of the last five decades would have to be Josh McDowell. Am I right? You're not just right. You'd have to put him at the top or very near the top with his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and all the other books, all the other presentations he's made in America and around the world. Nobody has done more to make Christianity understandable to modern man in the last 50 years than Josh McDowell, nobody. And, and let me say this. Um, in USA Today, a few years ago, it was about 10 years ago, but there was a list of the top 100 biggest-selling books of the last century. And, I mean, there were so many books, but there were two Christian books. One was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, one of the biggest-selling Christian books of all time. The other was More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell that has sold in the millions of copies. I don't know how many languages. Now, the reason I'm saying all that, um, I follow Josh on social media, and last night I was speaking at an event, and I just glanced down at my cell phone, and there was a feed scrolling past about Josh McDowell. And I was like, you know, Josh is in the news. Well, uh, we're going to have Josh on. Um, He was giving a speech in Nashville, and he said something that, you know, it's no secret when atheists and lost people will critique a Christian, but I was watching as Christians were just saying very, I felt like, unfair, untrue, hateful, hateful things about a fellow Christian. Christians were going after Josh McDowell with a vengeance, and I wanted to uh, bring Josh up, and let's talk about this. 
because I rush to defend somebody that I know is uh, right up there with Billy Graham in my book, but uh, I think we have him on the line. Josh McDowell, are you there, my dear friend? Oh, am I here. Hey, thanks for calling in, and uh, by the way, God bless you. We we just respect you so much, but uh, hey, you made some news over the weekend, didn't you? Uh, from what I'm hearing, yes. I haven't read any of it, but uh, I've sure had uh, some comments about it. Well, um, I wanted to talk about that, and, and hey, spirit of full disclosure, folks, I'm just going to be clear. Um, I am in apologetics and theology because of Josh McDowell. Three days into my Christian walk, 35 years ago, I'd been a believer about 72 hours. My friends at college were just dismantling the gospel. I didn't know what to do. I went to a bookstore, and I bought two books by somebody I had never heard of, Evidence That Demands a Verdict and More Than a Carpenter. Well, I got home from school, uh, got home from my job, started reading about 7.30 p.m. one night, and about 4 a.m. I went to bed. I literally could not put it down. Little did I know that the trajectory of my life was set. I had discovered biblical worldview and apologetics through Josh McDowell. Uh, folks, I won't belabor this point, but I, over the last 25 years, I've spent much of my adult life and ministerial life with or near or around Josh he is a paragon of gospel truth and integrity, one of the finest Christian leaders of our lifetime. And so when I'm watching the Twitter verse, Crucify Josh McDowell, uh, <laughs> didn't take me long to rush and speak a word in his defense. But Josh, what, what you said, you, you basically, the firestorm began when you said that black and white young people in work and education, we have the same types of opportunities, but we've got to work. And to get a job, get a degree, we've got to work. I mean, in my opinion, what you said was truth. Um, why do you think the controversy? Well, what I said was, and I could have worded it so much better, but to understand the context, I think from what people are saying is, I said that, African-Americans and minority children don't have the same advantage or opportunity as whites do. And, uh, and I said, one of the reasons is, and what I said was that the parents don't emphasize it as much. What I was saying was that African-American and many minority parents don't emphasize it much because they don't even think it's possible. And how that came about. Years ago, I was in Pennsylvania, and uh, sitting next to me at the table was an African-American pastor. And we were talking, and I said, oh, yes, and Tony, since I have a daughter, I said, what's your greatest challenge? He said, he paused, tears came to his eyes, and he said, I don't have the money so my daughter could go to college. Oh, my gosh, that just broke my heart. And I went and shared with Dottie, and I said, let's help him. So we put some of our money together and got her into a, a school in Pennsylvania. And for four years, all we could afford was $5,000. Each year, we paid $5,000 of her tuition. And when she graduated, she called us and just thanked us for what we did. And 
I said to Dottie, why don't we take a lot of our money and use it to help minority kids to get into the university? So what we did, we started uh, looking around, talking to single moms, uh, single moms, minority, Hispanic, and African-American, and asking them, what's the situation of kids going to college? And it was just sad because uh, every one of them wanted their children to go to college. So what broke their hearts was they didn't have the funds for it. And some of their kids maybe didn't score as high. <laughs> uh, others did on certain tests. And without the money, they couldn't get in. So we started uh, giving families only to pay tuition and buy books $5,000 a year. And then after about two years, I thought, gosh, you know, this really doesn't help. $5,000 doesn't help. So I found out there was an organization. This was so cool, Alex. I found out there was this organization that parents could go to. And for about $5,000, they would totally research out all the money, loans, scholarships available out there for their child in their situation. Then they would fill out all the paperwork because a large percentage of uh, loan money, scholarship money, and everything is rejected because there's one error on the application. I think that's easy. But if there's one error in the application, they said you'd be rejected. So they filled out all the papers and everything. And so for $5,000, instead of helping one child for just one year, we helped scores of kids to be able to go. My other one was to Pepperdine and others. Uh, where we would pay that $5,000, yeah. they'd come back with all the scholarship money that would be available to that child or loans and other money available. And then so, we'd apply so, for it. And we'd help them get into the school. And also so they realize, wow, what a difference $5,000 can make. Instead of just one year helping them, it can help them get through college for four years. And so, but, but the idea that people would tweet and... and say that you were racist is ludicrous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my wife just chuckled. She said, honey, you're the most unracist person I've ever known in my life. I mean, just a few seconds in ministry, right after that whole context there, I made a statement. I said, and of course, nobody's quoting it. I said, I cannot imagine any Christian being a racist. I said, I've never met anyone in the world, heterosexual, homosexual, lesbian, LGBT, African-American, Chinese, well, I've never met anyone in the world that's not created in the image of God with infinite value, dignity, and worth. And every single person has that. Now think of this, Alex. Every person, no matter who they are, their background, prostitutes, everything, every person has objective value being in the image of God. Wow. And we're so, Josh, let me ask God. you this, you Josh. I've I got to ask you a question, though, uh, because, you know, I, I dialogue with a lot of college-age people all over the country, a lot of college-age Christians, and so often the conversation, and in fact, just recently I was with a lot of students from a university in Mississippi, a Christian school, but they'll talk about social justice and racism. Here's my point. Um, Our fundamental message is the gospel. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 1 Timothy 3. Isn't there a danger when we say more about social justice and less about the gospel? And the fact that so much of the Twitterverse was just rushing yesterday to critique what you had said, which was true, um, we got to remember the gospel, fundamentally the gospel is not about ending racism, although we should. Fundamentally the gospel is about getting sinners saved, am I right? That's right. But here's the key. We need to understand social influences. We need to understand cultural influences that can become barriers to the gospel. Because once we do, that can make our effectiveness of sharing the gospel so much better uh, and know how to ask the right questions and all. This is why I am, I am big on education. Uh, I could be wrong in this, but years ago, as my heart, there's nothing that hurts me more is when I see racism. And I concluded that with the gospel, one of the most important things for African-American minority young people in our culture is to be able to get a good education, to go with the gospel. And I was really moved by that. And that's why my wife and I have spent so much money and time with scores of people. But you know what's interesting? Of all those people with these on the Internet, and you said they're great Christians, I wonder if they're even Christians. Now think of this. They're not following the Bible. The Bible says if you have someone to give someone, you contact them. You go to them. And if they don't respond, you go with several others, and then you go to the church. How many of the Internet trolls contacted you? called me. Not one. Isn't that interesting? Uh... And so, but second, I wish we could push a button and have a solution to racism. Sure. I wish every minority child in our country had the same opportunities to get an education as my kids did. And a lot of them because they were white. Ray and Steve, uh, you know, um, as we're we're talking to Josh, I mean, clearly, Josh McDowell, he's exemplified Christianity. He and Dottie and his family and Sean, they have been leaders in Christianity. But, I mean, is this an example of how one misstatement or, or one, one thing, the cancel culture posture even furiously emanates from the church in attacking a fellow brother? I mean, to what degree does this concern you guys? Well, it's a huge issue, isn't it? Social media is designed to create exactly what happened in the last 24 hours for Josh, that uh, somebody says something that he looks back and goes, well, maybe I could have reworded that or said that slightly different way. That doesn't matter anymore. Even the, quote, apology doesn't matter anymore if somebody gives it, uh, particularly Twitter, Twitter is an attack medium, and it's not a place for much nuance. But if you listen to what Josh has said, his heart is clear. His intent is clear. His gospel-centeredness is clear. His opposition to racism is clear. The rest of this is just uh, uh, it, its critics who otherwise really don't care, uh, just taking a chance to attack 
a man whose track record for the gospel really is unblemished for half a century. So uh, it's a sad thing, Steve. It's a sad thing that it's come to this. It is. Um, But I I keep thinking that, yes, racism, it it can be a problem. There are people in this country who exhibit racist tendencies and racist things. It's not systemic. But really, all the racism thing is 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 just a reason to keep this is from the viewpoint of those that are uh, after redesigning America, it's just a reason to keep people upset and angry. It might it might as well be economic status. Is that's what it was in in the communist countries, Russia, it, or it could be um, it, it, you name you name the the difference. People who are uh, intent on redesigning America and bringing a, a socialist con- uh, country to bear, um, they don't care. It, racism is just handy. So I I just it's keep, useful, isn't it? It's a useful tool. Um, not that not that it's not important, and not that the, uh, our African American brothers don't feel it. Uh, I I know they do, but it's 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 a means to an end, in my view. Hey Josh, I've got to ask you this: Did you see the news story last week where at the National Archives they've put disclaimers on our founding documents, including the Constitution, that says that this document may contain offensive language? No, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, uh, are we on dangerous ground when truth can't be shared without repercussions? You know, Alex, that's the world we live in. Don't let it surprise you. I take it for granted that uh, people feel that way, that people will attack you. Each one of our responsibilities is to make sure that what we do is honoring to Christ. And I know in my life it's not often, but I try never, ever, ever to do the same thing twice that is not honoring to Christ. But even with believers, they're forgiven sinners. And uh, I expect this. Where it hurts is when it comes from those that say they're Christians. I really wonder if they are. Uh, and they could be. But... Yeah. It hurts when you hear uh, from that, and uh, this is why. When I hear things, and boy, Dottie will back this up, my staff. Whenever someone comes to me about someone, this or that, I'll say, how do you know that's true? If any way possible, I call that person. I call that person and interact with them. And uh, I find out that over half the time, it's all fabrication. Some of the time it's true, but then they don't know the heart of the individual. And so everybody's got to live with themselves, and they have their way of doing it. And I've got my way of doing it in Christ. But expect these things, Alex. Well, Josh, Uh, I just wanted to say this. Uh, I just wanted to say, look, uh, the fact that um, the uh, Internet would attack you for saying what is true, I really think you should— you wear that as a badge of honor and not be discouraged. Well, uh, I want to wear the band of, band of badge of honor that when I die, tombstone could say he was an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. Well, and amen, if and I, I know follow it will. what Christ teaches, then <laughs> I can have an absolute clear conscience. But, I mean, I mean, just like you, Alex, 
when somebody says that you said something or did something to hurt them, that hurts you. I wish yeah. to God I'd go through life and never, ever hurt anyone. Hey, I'm human. <laughs> and, uh, and some people, I just say to them, get real. Get your life together uh, on that. But isn't God good, old Alex? Just think of the ministry you have, the ministry I have. Uh, get to love people all over the world in the name of Christ. What more could you desire in life? Hey, we're very blessed. We really are. Josh, I'm going to let you go. Hey, before we pull away, Ray, any final question or comment for uh, Josh McDowell? Oh, Josh, let me just say, on behalf of our listeners here at American Family Radio, thank you so much for standing for the gospel and for making gospel truth available and accessible for a half a century and more now. We're so grateful for your example of steadfast determination to help people find new life in Jesus Christ. Hey, well, thank you. I, I could not agree I more. I could not agree more. Your book, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, um, was useful to me in college. Um, it, you've been uh, a mentor to many for many, many years. Thank you. Well, that's why I wrote it. it Praise God. Well, uh, Josh, we appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again sometime very soon. And uh, well, be safe love and you guys. keep. Uh, love you, man. I said hi and stay faithful to the Lord. You know Bye-bye. it. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Um, guys, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, do you remember from Georgia, I don't know, a year and a half ago, Representative John Lewis died? Uh, African American elected official, from, congressman from Georgia. And uh, I, I posted something on Facebook that was struck down. And I, I know he had marched with Dr. King, um, and I referenced the civil rights movement, and, uh, and I said, God bless the sacred memory. And I got this, this uh, Facebook message that said, uh, you know, uh, unacceptable language and uh, racist content would not be tolerated. I, I had memorialized <laughs> the guy. And spoken well of his record for civil rights, and John Lewis was a Christian. Um, we've got to, and especially as Christians, we cannot let our worldview be shaped by the rants and censorship of the Twitter feed. Just like part of the reason I wanted to have Josh on, here's here's one of the paragons of Christianity being attacked last night. Uh, we've got to do the heavy lifting of thought, critical thinking, reading, research. We, the church, cannot just be spoon-fed by the ever-changing winds of the the social media feed, can we? You know, one of the things we can learn from this interview is, uh, you know, Josh said, I could have said it better. Okay, he issued a statement, and otherwise, Alex, he sounds like he's comfortable with who he is before the Lord, and he's not, he's not destroyed in his spirit by what happened last night. God bless him for standing up for the truth, and uh, we should all learn from that good example. Amen. Steve Jordahl, any uh, news items that you want to assign us as homework to read on? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on we can't cover. Uh, even on a day when we have a normal day, we can't cover all of it. So, uh, yeah, folks, be a prayer for our nation. Um, we're at a very momentous point. 
We'll be back again tomorrow. Ray Pritchard, myself, Chris Woodward, Steve Jordan, all and more on today's issues tomorrow. Keep your radios tuned to the American Family Radio Network, AFR.net. I'll be back 3 p.m. Central for Exploring the Word. Join us. My co-host, Bert Harper, and I will be looking at the life of Solomon. Hey, pray for our nation. America needs Christ, and we are his representatives. And those of us who love God and country, let's get out there and make a difference. God bless you.